Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker podcast. This is the preview for the Friday of the York Ebor Festival, the third day of the festival. And I'm your host, George Ellick, and I'm joined by two of Odds Checker's finest tipsters, Andy Holding and Daryl Carter. Andy, a tough day for you yesterday. We should say we're recording this just after 11 o'clock on Thursday. So we've just seen um, the, the first day of racing. And, and it was a tough day for you yesterday, but, but got out of trouble a bit in the lucky last. Yeah, as, as we said in the in the preview, uh, York's very much a, a track and a law unto itself with uh, what kind of horses are handle the conditions, handle the ground. Uh, one or two disappointing ones that had been there before and run poorly for some reason. And horses who'd stepped foot on the Naismar for the first time, such as Cloudbridge, just couldn't handle the occasion and he could basically blow back a gasket in the first two furlongs. Those are the kind of things that are just out of your control as a punter. And um, But lessons to be learned, you know. I mean, three that... Three of the winners at York yesterday were all course winners. So that's another thing to look at. That, that was one thing we did mention beforehand is, is likely to uh, be the status quo. Uh, so when we're doing the podcast for Friday and Saturday, we very much have that at the back of our minds. And just on, on Cloudbridge, because he was your two-point nap um, on the column on the Odds Checker app, and he was also put up in, in the podcast. It seemed to me, I mean, I don't know if you agree, it seemed to me like he, he kind of settled coming out and then was just properly lit up by, by the kind of the small group around him. I mean, what, what do you... Did you put that down to purely just him being incredibly, incredibly keen, or, or was it a case of you know you just it's an experienced horse, it's a tough track? Well, it's hard to say, really, isn't it? Because I mean, we only had one sample size with him at Leicester. What we what we had to go on that day, he came out the stalls fine. He, he raced nicely, relaxed. There was only small field at Leicester. Yes, they went a good good gallop, but they went a good gallop at York yesterday. So it wasn't as if they 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 crawled along and he was pulling off a slow pace. For some reason, he. he that first run completely lit him up. He's obviously mm. quite an over-excited but exuberant type. If you do notice as well, he had the hood on down to the start. Yeah. Which suggested to me he's quite he's quite a hot horse. Mm. Um, again, you know, in hindsight, it's a wonderful thing. You know, he, in the cold light of day, looking at him, how he performed, he, he was probably the worst bet you'll ever have at 11 to 10. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I was I was there sitting on a nice anti-post boat. I'd backed him each way, 9 to 2. No, no. Um, knowing, like I say, all the horses weren't going to run, and he was. It was just a perfect storm, really, for me. I thought, well, this is this is a, the, a great bet, but in the end, he ended up beating one horse. I mean, he actually might have finished last in the end. Yeah. Well, I, I had a hard luck story as well. Well, after you two knocked your head together on the podcast and video last week, uh, earlier in the week and tipped up Magic J in the first, I managed to back Magic J six places at Paddy Power, was second, kind of running into the, the final furlong and just oh. finished seventh. So that was a really good way to start the week. Daryl, did it get much better for you? Uh, well, I I covered better. I had a cover bet on a claim the nation mentioned on the podcast. It's that eighteen yeah. to one. Uh, so that sort of paid for the day really yesterday. Really disappointed with dancing in the street. Um, mm. She looks a tough ride um, at the moment, and I'm not entirely sure what's going on with that horse. But uh, I'm going to put a line through that and just just let her go for now. I think I'm not going to follow her over a cliff. But um, I definitely fit, still think five fell on her trip. She did what Andy, to be fair, did say. Um, she ran very similar to the way she did previously at York. I'm not sure if there's something wrong in the head there. She just doesn't look the horse she was a few starts back when she was uh, careering through field. So really disappointed with that. Um, but it didn't get much better yesterday. But but like I say, I claim the nation in the first sort of the cover bet sort of paid for the day. So it, it's not the end of the world and we can go on battling. I think these next two days are probably my strongest throughout the whole week. So um, I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into these next two days. 
Great just stuff. very very quickly, just getting back to that Magic J. My, the the fear that I re, the fear that I thought beforehand was realised with it. Mm. I, I still can't understand why they put the blinkers on it because the blinkers worked, but they almost overworked. It, it, yeah, yeah. It, it went from being a strong traveller to completely and utterly revved up to the to the to the eyeballs yesterday. It was, it was absolutely tanking two out. Mm. They've got there at the Furlong Pole. Asked it to go to win its race. It's it's drew level. But the exertions of obviously pulling hard and the extra half a furlong, because it's five yeah. and a half furlongs yesterday, pay for it. They've just completely got that wrong. They've ridden it wrong the time before at Ascot from the front. They didn't learn their lessons. They put headgear on it, which was not needed. It's just a fairly straightforward horse. You run it over a flat five furlongs or an easy five, and, and it'd be a different horse than what we saw yesterday. Yeah, to be fair, they did. They put the cheek piece on for that emphatic sandown win, didn't they? And yeah. I think, I don't. Actually, at the time of that race, I didn't think he actually needed him when they put him on. I just no. thought he needed the drop back and trip. Um, mm. So it's probably, I probably took the, the switch out for the blinkers as to freshen him up. Perhaps made a mistake in thinking and not thinking what I originally thought about the cheek pieces that he actually didn't need them. Um, and it, it would definitely be of interest next time they come off for sure. Yeah. Okay, we've got to get on to the racing um, on Friday now. So you don't have too long. I am not far away uh, from York um, at the moment and the sun is shining and it's, it's supposed to be shining tomorrow as well. So there's a bit of rain around yesterday, but I think the ground will be drying up um, over the next couple of days. Uh, before we get into the first race, the 145 on Friday, just going to point listeners and viewers in the direction of the Odds Checker app. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, it means that you clearly have an interest in horse racing and in gambling. And the Odds Checker app is the perfect companion for you to enjoy the racing or any other sporting event. The best bookie offers the very best prices, crucially, free bets, place terms, everything you can need, including two of the best tipsters around in both Daryl and Andy. And if you want to get Daryl's tips, you have to have the app. They're exclusive. His tip, his nap of the day. And Andy's, the first place you can get them every morning is with the Odds Checker app. So please do download it now. So the racing um, 145 at York on Friday is a handicap, the Skybet handicap, and Zabil Champion is the nine to four favourite ahead of Al Fatik at eleven to two. Uh, Restore at eight to one alongside Dark Jedi. Um, I think Dasha Spice might be coming out as we record. Currently listed at ten to one, but a few firms not offering Dasha Spice, so keep an eye on that. Um, and then eleven to one bar. Andy, we'll start with you here. Um, Zabil Champion nine to four, fair favourite. Oh, yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, that, that new market handicap is one of the best mile and a quarter uh, races of its um, of its kind throughout the season, over that trip anyway. Uh, obviously, the King George handicap's the better one for the mile and a half horses. But, um, you know, to win that and beat the field that he did in the manner he did uh, certainly suggests that he's definitely um, right up there with the, with, the, with the top of his, of his uh, counterparts. I can't, still can't believe he got beat by Junkanoo last time out. At fifty to one at uh, Goodwood because he looked to have everything in safekeeping that day until the Gary Moore um, giant killer came and done him. But I mean, it was a good race that there was, it was a deep race. There was lots of quality in it, and and he went through the race like the horse he did at Newmarket. He snuck in here off the bottom. Um, I mean, he's he's still very well handicapped up for Mark and ninety four. Be amazed if this horse is running in pattern level next season. And there's only two three year olds in it as well. And these three year olds at this time of year often have a, a significant advantage over their older horses. So at nine or four top price, I think that'll probably be under pressure come race time. I think I think he'll be shorter. Um, looking at the way the track held up yesterday, front runners or horses up with the speed, 
that that was the place to be. Um, obviously, it might change in the next couple of days. I don't know if there's a headwind or a tailwind, depending on what the wind direction is. We've got this storm or the, the remnants or the back end of that, that storm from Ireland um, f- sort of coming back again with a little bit of a vengeance. So you need to keep an eye on that, whether to help the front runners or help the horses from the back. Um, but he he looks the right favourite. The only other one I could see from an Eastbay perspective was probably do- perhaps Dark Jedi, who uh, was a creditable fourth in the John Smith's Magnet Cup behind uh, Sinjari, which is very solid form. Um, a reproduction of that will surely seem now thereabouts. And, and he ran quite well at Newcastle next time out. So that was my shortlist of two. Whether I'll end up tipping in the race, I, I don't know. Um, tipping a two to one favourite the first race of the day doesn't always float my boat. <laughs> I, like, I like to go for something a little bit more chunkier. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's the way I see it anyway. First, first, first look at it. So nine to four is the real champion and Dark Jedi eight to one. Daryl, who's taking your uh, fancy at this, this stage? I'm pretty keen on Zabil Champion as well here. Um, his form lines and collateral form lines throughout his last few runs are just the top level of the handicap and form that we've seen this season. Uh, the collateral form lines have all worked out really well. I mean, if you go back to that run over the Roly Mile at Newmarket, um, Al Mason was in third, won next time, beat Nugget. That sort of is the top level of handicap and form across the board. Mafia Power, the fourth, bolted up, is £10 higher. The fifth, Mactel, went out and won next time. And then on the July course, um, back in second was Man of the Night, and he's got form that links in with Trictonic and Morisco, both near 100 rated horses. Um, so everywhere you look for Zabil Champion, it works out really, really well. Oh, Goodwood, I didn't think he, for one that's run at Newmarket, I didn't think he handled the track too well, to be honest. He did well from stall nine. He was posted three wide for most of the race. Um, he was just outpaced going up the hill and then coming down the hill. Stayed on really strongly. The winner had a much easier route around the inside, much clearer path. So, uh, and that that horse was clearly well handicapped. He was trying to give him plenty of weight there. Um, gets a nine pound weight for age allowance. I mean, if you look at this race just from the winner's perspective, three olds don't have a great record in it, but they, there's only been eleven three olds from 166 runners in this. They only represent seven percent of the runners. Um, and I think he's going to get a soft lead out in front. There's just plenty to like about him. He's certainly well handicapped off a mark of 94. Um, he should take some beat in here. Strong one for Tao there. Zabil Champion, trained by Mark Johnson, who had two winners yesterday. So, trainer coming into this festival as ever in good form. And Ryan Moore jocked up. So, lots to like about Zabil Champion, it's fair to say. Uh, the second race of the day is the Lonsdale Cup, the Weatherby's Hamilton Lonsdale Cup. Um, just over, uh, group two, just over two miles. Uh, and we currently have seven runners, the dreaded seven runners. Uh, NB Hart heads the market at five to two. Um, ahead of just ahead of Nyef Road, um, a couple of storming runs from Nyef Road behind Stradivarius in recent times. Uh, Dashing Willoughby four to one, Eagles by Day seven to one, uh, withheld eleven to one, Stratum twenty to one, and Who Dares Wins twenty five to one. Shame, Daryl, not to have an each way angle in here, um, but four horses, uh, single figure prices, um, and it looks fairly open for a seven runner affair. Who, who at the moment do you think looks the most likely? Um, well. Nayef Road, for me, I'm shocked that he's not favourite for this. Uh, Embahar comes in here favourite. She's unproven at the trip. I don't think the trip would be an issue, but just in terms of what she's done, she's unproven at the trip. She steps out of Philly company, uh, goes against the boys. Uh, record is 4-4-1 when against the boys. The ground might just be against her. All her best workers come on fast ground. Uh, and Nayef Road, there's absolutely nothing wrong with him. He beat the Irish Derby winner giving him £15. Um, he's beaten Eagles by day. He's reversed the Queen Bars form with... Uh, dashing Willoughby on their latest meeting. He's beaten with hold. He's beaten uh, Who Dares Wins. 
Um, and he's had two runs here at York, and it wasn't a bad run in the Dante uh, last year. I thought he ran all right. I didn't think there was any issue with the track. I thought he was outpaced. Um, and then it was a slightly less impressive run in the in the Voltage last year. But both times, um, he's been brought to the stand side rail when turning into home. And I think the far rail is definitely where you want to be. Uh, I think if he's going to make all the running here, and if he can stick to that far rail, I think he's going to be really, really tough to peg back. Um, Dashing Willoughby's interesting after being gelded um, during the interim, one, two since then. But uh, I think Nayef Rose sets the form standard with that Goodwood run behind Stradivarius. And I'm, I'm, I can't believe he's not clear favourite, really. Nayef Road, 11 to 4 best price currently. <clears> that <throat> is with Bet Victor. Um, standout price. Uh, I should say a couple of firms do have Nayef Road marginal favourite. Unibet go 9 to 4 ahead of 5 to 2 NBR. Um, Andy, would you agree with those sentiments? Nayef Road should be favourite, even if uh, not at the moment. Um, I find it very difficult to split the two. There's positives and negatives either way. The negative for Mbihar perhaps is the ground, but that could easily change in 24 hours. Like I say, with a drying wind, it is going to be very windy. There's not going to be too many showers around, if any at all, looking at that forecast. Um, and if it, if it does get back to sort of good, good to firm in places, which it could easily do because the drainage at York is very good, it'll certainly make her chances even, even better than what they are now. Um, I don't think she'll have any problem with the trip. She stays well. She's got probably, I'd say, the best action of any horse I've, I think I've seen in the last 10 years. She absolutely wow. glides across the ground. Her stride length is unbelievable. Uh, she's tailor-made for York. She got beat the only time she ran at York, but that was probably when she was only the half the horse she was now. She finished second. Whereas Nayev Ryder, I must admit, Daryl's kind of like, once I brushed him under the carpet, but his two worst runs in his life have both been at York. He's got absolutely battered. Um and he shouldn't, he shouldn't really run that badly on either occasion because there have been small fields where he's been up with the speed. Um, and he's he just, for one reason or another, just hasn't faced, faced the long straight. And it, it's odd because he's about as tough as they come now. Right? I agree with Daryl on, on, his, on his assessments of what he's done of late. I mean, there's just been Herculean efforts. He's run beyond Stradivarius in the Ascot Gold Cup. Mm. It's phenomenal. He was the only horse on the round track for virtually the whole week that led all the way and then still kept going in the home straight. And albeit Stradivarius pushed him aside in the end. It was still a phenomenal run. So strictly on what he's done this season on form, you look at the Stradivarius runs over the trip without a shadow of a doubt, but I've got a nagging doubt that's just similar to, um, you know, the Philly of Haggis's. Just a, a lot, alarm bells are ringing at the back of my mind with, with two unexplicably bad runs at the Naismar. The, the two bits of evidence are telling you that Nayev Road doesn't, doesn't seem to like it there. So that probably just tips the balance of power in the, the Philly's favour. Can you make cases for any others except for those at top two? Not really. I mean, Dushing Willoughby's very good, but he'll have to be right on top of his game here to beat the other two. Um, again, another race I'll probably want to have a bet in. They're, just, they're not really the kind of races I like playing in or tipping in. Seven yeah. runners, no each-way angle, spin of the coin between one or the other. I, I'd almost be tipping for tipping's sake. And when you, you've yeah, got yeah. 40 races to choose from from a column, and I usually go for four or five, I'm quite happy just to push that one to one side and say, well, I fancy MBR and claim it if it wins for this podcast purposes, but from actually tipping, <laughs> for actually tipping it, tipping and writing it and, and put, it on, put it on my profit and loss column, then I'd, I'd rather leave it. Well, Daryl's given us a strong enough, um, yeah, strong enough bullet, I reckon, with Nayef Road there at 11-4. He's made a decent case, but um, you can definitely have bragging rights if Enbaha is well-backed and goes off favourite and, and justifies <laughs> that as well. Um, worth pointing out at the moment of recording on Thursday morning, 
uh, Skybet are currently going three places on this, despite the seven runners. So um, if you did want to find an each-way angle, there could be a possibility of doing so there. Um, always fun when you guys disagree. It's boring when you when you agree with each yeah, other. Exactly, so, yeah. You can't, I'm, can't I'm, just copy, copy each other all the time. I'm happy to, to pit you against each other. But we now come on to the gym crack, group two, over six furlongs. And uh, Minzal is the five to two favourite ahead of Mohawk King at four to one. Uh, Yazaman nine to two. You better believe it. A sea of blue on odds checker at the moment. Bet three six five still eight to one, but as short as five to one with Betfair and Paddy Power. Mystery smiles nine to one, fourteen to one bar. And uh, Andy, I mean, sometimes when we speak, you seem to align quite closely with Paddy Power and Betfair with their thinking. Can you see why there's money coming for you? Better believe it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's, he's a horse I like. I like. Nigel Tinkler's uh, two horses, funny enough, Friday, Saturday. He's got Acclam Express running the weekend. And you better believe it, at the moment, it's probably the better of the two, courtesy of his winning the national stakes. His time figure when he won at Doncaster certainly pointed me in the right direction with this fella being a, a very smart horse. I think I adapted that day when he, when he won at Sandown. Um, you know, he had no problem settling and quickening and putting the race to bed that day, um, suggesting that he'll certainly be fine over six furlongs. They had a a choice of any race they could have run in this week. They could have run in the Roses Saturday. They could have run him um, in a in a, in another race, the, the sales race, and they've decided to come for the six furlong race, the gym crack, the, the best of all. And I think that's the wise decision. Um, he's got a great cruising speed, a really lovely turn of foot. So I, th- I think he's a horse going places myself. But this is not not easy because he's up against some genuinely good colts who are already proven over six furlongs. Um, such as Minzal and, and uh, Mohawk King. They clashed, didn't they, ask at first time out? Mohawk King came out the best that day, but subsequent performances of Minzal suggested that, A, he's improved immeasurably from that first run. He's, he's back in sectionals when he won at Doncaster were, were, uh, of a very high-class colt. Um, and he probably might have even gone close to winning that day at Ascot had he got a clear run. I think the gaps kind of closed on him and he had to switch and then come near side. So I think he's probably a better horse than Mohawk King or what he's likely to be in the long run. But then, you know, you've got the likes of Escape Route, who represents the the uh, the July stakes form uh, behind um, Tactical. Um, Yazaman, of course, was second in that race, second to Supremacy. Uh, this is a very, very deep and difficult race to get a handle on. Again, at the moment, I, I, I haven't come to any conclusive uh, opinion on what I'm going to stick up. I probably might go with either one of, you better believe it, or Yazaman, but... A lot depend on just gut feeling or, or, or just how I see the prices and how, how the racing perhaps develops today again to see whether the draw is one's drawn nine, one's drawn two. So there's lots of little factors that might tip me tip me either way at the moment. Positive words for the top four in the market there, Andy. Unlike exactly, you. They're, they're all good. You know, they've all got great quality claims. I, I don't think there's a bad horse amongst them, and that, mm-hmm. it's difficult when you when you've got two rolls that you can't find a chink in their armoury, and, and they've they've all got potential to be even better than what we've seen, particularly Mizal, Mohawk King, and you better believe it. We haven't even spoken about three horses, three unbeaten horses in Mystery Smiles, uh, exactly. Devil Wala and Seven Brothers, so who could be anything you'd think as well. Exactly, so. yeah. So it's, a, it's a, a very, very difficult race to call. Again, I don't have to put a tip up in, in it, just because it's a two-year race and I'm almost feel duty-bound <laughs> to tip it in a two-year race. I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards not going that way at the moment. You have to. <laughs> <laughs> as, as I mentioned with the race before, Skybet being very generous with their prices this week. Sorry, with their each-way terms this week and their prices, I'm sure. Uh, and they are a fifth, the four here. Everybody else paying just three places. So it could be an each-way angle there if you do side with one of the bigger price ones or even, you know, uh, Yazaman, nine to two, four places um, would be a fair bet as well. 
Daryl, I'm hoping you're not just going to tell me how good all the horses are in the field. Uh, any catching your eye, uh, particularly at this stage? I mean, it's Andy's rounded it up pretty well there, but uh, I thought Minzow was really, really impressive at, at Salisbury. I thought his uh, final three and a half furlong sectionals were just unbelievable. I, I had him around 0.17 seconds slower than Koncheck uh, over five furlongs. But uh, 0.29 seconds around that sort of mark quicker than Happy Power, and he was on the bridle. So he looks a really useful horse. He, he could be really going places, that Minzel. Uh, Yazaman, I didn't think, um, we'll see the best effect at Goodwood last time, really. Just was always off the bridle, always working too hard. The pace held up at the front end. Didn't really think that was his track. I think he'll be seeing a better effect here at York. Um, I thought he was the one to take from the race behind Supremacy at Goodwood. So... I expect him to take another step forward for, for Haggis, who does extremely well here. But look, Andy said, this won't, this won't really be, I don't think, a betting race for me um, because it is just so strong. And, and with these two roles, like, like with Cloudbridge, like, you can see they can take such a step forward or they could do something drastically different next time out. It's, mm. it's very difficult. But um, if you if you force me to have a bet, it would be on Minzow, just simply based on those closing sectionals at Salisbury. I thought, that was, thought it was really, really impressive. Dara, we're never going to force you to have a bet. Just an opinion. <laughs> that, that, that's all we're going to do. I've so, got lots of them. <laughs> so with the Jim Crack, it seems like maybe a, a viewing brief, a fascinating affair. Um, but we've had a couple of positive words for one or two. So maybe watch the market on the day. Um, <clears> on to <throat> another one where we might struggle to find an angle. Although we do have eight runners um, for the Nunthorpe, the Coolmore Nunthorpe stakes over five furlongs. And of course, it is Batash who is the two on favourite, one to two. Uh, Art Power is 11 to four. Uh, Ali is eight to one. And then 33 to one bar. Fair to say, Andy, could be a bit of an account closer this uh, if you're backing Art Power and Ali each way. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, funny enough, the, the, the price for Art Power has collapsed in the last sort of four or five days, isn't it? I think anti post wise, this race was set in stone a long way in advance, you know, when you had Batash. Four to nine, one to two. He stayed the same price, but I think so a week ago, Art Power is in and around the five, six to one mark. I think there's a lot of people mm. putting uh, Art Power in a lot of uh, combination, multiple doubles, and trying to get a few quid rolling on him. And he's been massively popular. I don't know if his work's been. He's done some piece of work at home, or there's a bit of information out there in the in the betting jungle that this horse has done something staggering at home because uh, all of a sudden you're looking down the barrel of five to two. But uh, this race is. Going to be very, very close to setting a track record here, I imagine. Particularly if that ground dries out and if there's a tailwind. Um, if any firm offers a track record, I'd be very interested in that because we've got brazen speed all over the track. You look at this, Batash, nothing could hardly go with this fella, but you've got Ornate, Art Power himself likes to rip. And that that thing of um, Dodds's as well, Kira Moro, um, mm. doesn't um, want to die not knowing. So I think this race is perfectly set up here for Al Ali. This horse, funny enough, is the fastest horse I've got in this field ever five films this season. Even better than Batash. He's wow. run when he his victory when he won at Sandown was absolutely off the charts. You go back and watch that run, the way he cruised through that race. This is the key to him. He's just completing us at all speed, this fella. Um he, he ties in with Liberty Beach, which is kind of the same horse that he beat that day that Batash had been beaten for the last two or three runs. So form wise, you know, he, he's he's not got a massive amount to find anyway. But I was I was even more taken with his run last time out at um, in the Sapphire Stakes at at um, the Curra. Make a challenge is virtually unbeatable on home patch. I think he's almost like four for four uh, for, for Dennis Hogan. He's definitely the best sprinter they've got over in in Ireland. Albeit you know we we lost sceptical rather sadly. 
But if you go back and watch that race that day, Al Ali had to row his own boat near side. There was two of them. There was him and Panita Aurora. And then there was a bunch of five, six horses on the far side, including Make a Challenge. And Al Ali had to make up about four or five lengths on, on that far side group. Not only did he do that, he ended up going by Make a Challenge and, and completely leaving him for dead. He's all class and all speed, Al Ali. And he, like I say, he's got four front runners right in front of him. He's drawn right down the middle. He's got Batash in three. He's got Ornate in two. He's got Kiramoro in six. So he's right the meat in the sandwich there. They'll all jump and go, and he'll just sit right in behind them, and they'll give him a lovely toe down to the furlong pole. You can get your literally whatever you can each way on this horse at eight to one. <laughs> this, this is this is the, the bet each way and, maggot of all time. And then pray that we, when we when they're going in, one isn't being a bit difficult, and then suddenly it's seven, and you're <laughs> you're putting your well, hair out. If, if if this is going to be the ultimate account closer, let, let's let's close all those accounts uh, with that with a bang. Let's get the lot on <laughs> Al Ali. Let's, just, let's, let's get the lot on. Yeah, so Al Ali, massive each way. Eight to one with Skybet and Bet Victor. Yeah, this tip should come with a bit of a health warning here because you might get an email um, from the lads after you've, you've placed it. But fingers crossed, it's worth the price to pay. So, I mean, I didn't expect us to have such a strong selection in this race. Because I, thought we, I thought we kind of breezed through after saying Batash was, uh, would, would do the same again. Daryl, I mean, did you had you spotted um, Ali as being the one to back each way here before? Well, I, well, I, cer- I certainly thought the race was definitely going to set up for him. That's, that was for sure. Um, but Andy's covered Al, Al Ali there uh, pretty well. Um, Art Power, let's talk about, I just want to talk about Art Power. Um, this horse might be better suited over six furlongs. Now, that might sound mad. But when I napped him um, for the odds check and that in the handicap of a Mark 97 at Ascot, I was slightly worried watching that race at the beginning of it. I thought he was slightly outpaced um, on occasions. And, and then he, I thought his best work was done at the finish. Um, he's recorded his best RPRs over six furlongs late over, uh, over at Nace. Um, but you go back to watch his York run last year on soft ground as well. I thought he was slightly outpaced in the very early stages of that race. So this is going to be the quickest ground that he's probably run on. And that would just be a concern for me. I think he's got slightly rounded action. Don't get me wrong, I think he's a fantastic horse and certainly worthy of being at this level. Um, when he gets a little tap with a, with a reminder, he certainly shoots off. But I'm just wondering if today's going to find out his best trip and that, that might just be six furlongs for me. Um, Al Ali is definitely worthy of an each-way bet because this is, like Andy said, he's gonna, the race is going to fall apart. The other interesting one for me was actually Emirati Anna. This is a drop back to five furlongs and the cheek pieces go on first time. I actually thought, think they're going to make plenty of use of her and just and just blitz off out, out the gates. Um, drawn in stall one, very strong stayer. It's going to be a very strong stayer over five furlongs. Um, nice form with uh, Oxted. Just didn't quite see it out at Newmarket over that stiff stiff six uh, in the Auburn Stakes. I think she could be a bit of a wild card at a big price. I think 40 to one Emirati Anna. Cheek pieces first time, drop back to five furlongs. Makes big interest to me. Amarati Anna at 40 to one. I think um, someone at Skybet has got a uh, has got a camera in Andy's office and he's calling him saying, stop it about Ali. We're being inundated. I've just, I've just unplugged my Ali. I've just unplugged my phone, my um, landline. That landline, there's only about two people in the world that know that number, so I'm getting getting a sneaky feeling that could be a crank caller. I think, I think it's either Skybet or Bet Victor saying stop it about the hour. Yeah, we can't, yeah. we can't afford it. They've hacked, my, afford they've it. hacked my phone. The Leveson inquiry all the, over the, again. The, the, the thing about that Al Ali project as well is because 
Betfair will be so top-heavy on on Batash. You're talking like it'd be very, very tight one to two. It'll mean that the, the win price for Al Ali will be sort of like 11, 12 to one. So it'll mean that that eight to one will have to hold up. It's not mm. like one of those ones that's going to go through the floor. So, as I said, you only get one real good opportunity to back a horse like this with your dead eight runners on a, on a big stage. If that was a midweek day, you'd be left out of town or you just wouldn't be able to get an each way bet on that. But because it's a big day, it's you know the, the bookmakers are more likely to to offer you a fair crack of the whip in a Group One than they are in a maiden race at, at Nace, you know, on on a Monday. So, it's a bad each way, but it's not a it's it. It's not as bad as a, an archetypal bad each way, if that makes any sense. There we have it. Just justifying before before the I'm lads. To just, I'm trying it. to justify send, it before, send, send, send a heavy before, round. Before the two and a half point maximum <laughs> bet goes out. Two and a half point maximum each way bet goes out. Cannot wait. Uh, let's move on then. So if Ali goes in, um, I might not be watching this one. I might be buying a bottle of champagne somewhere. But let's talk about the maiden next. 3.45. Only Hills. I think have prices up at the moment and they have Naval Crown <clears throat> as the five to four favourite head of Tor Lead. Uh, Broomy Law 13 to two, Rushmore seven to one, Dingle 10 to one, 12 to one bar. A pretty tough one to make um, much of and not a race that we would be previewing, Andy, normally on one of these podcasts unless it was on a big day like this. Yeah, the first thing I, I will say, uh, just l- listening to those prices, I, I'm, I'm staggered that Naval Crown's five to four. Mm. Yes, yes, he's got listed class form Asuka last night but he did get beat quite readily I thought by Chindi and I wasn't necessarily sure that was a huge jump forward from what he did first time out so I think he's overpriced he's basically been priced up on his rating of 93 but I'll be I'll be blown if either Broomy Law or Tarly didn't end up running past that 93 mark at some stage in their careers Torley obviously bumped into a Tregonian beast that looked well above average first time at Goodwood he looked as though he needed the run he's bound to be more switched on this time and Broomy Law I thought um, ran a lovely race first time. He was slow away and on a track where it often favours to be up front, particularly with a horse with a bit of experience. And that Ross Kelly, who won that day, he got loose on the lead and Broomy Law couldn't um, you know, quite get, get back to him. But he got within three lengths at the end. Um, that wasn't a bad effort from where he was. And as we saw with um, Cairn Island in the uh, last race at York yesterday, um, Kevin Ryan, two-year-olds that have had a run and then have, uh, it's almost as if they've got this meeting on their mind, a very, very dangerous second or third time mm. up um, for these for these colours. So, at 13 to 2, is that the price you're saying? At that the, is the hills? price now, yeah, at Hills. Again, I mean, that's 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 matter from heaven, that is, with nine runners. I mean, that, that's, that's another one that's going to be very difficult to kick, to kick out the frame. There's an each way double already, Al Ali and Broomy Law. Plug that phone back in, Andy. Get, get on the blower to, to William Hill. Um, <laughs> uh, Darrell, what do you make of this? Uh, the, you know, these are very early prices. It's fair to say that if anyone's listening to this kind of five or six o'clock this evening, the, the evening before, when all the bookies are out, they might look fairly different. Christ, George, this is the complete opposite of what I do, really, to be honest with you. This is one of those places that... I, oh, no, Joe, this is one of those places that I look at, flick on and flick past straight away. Um, I like to know everything I can. That there is to know about my runners and, and you've got so many unraced horses here. Yeah. It's not, not one for me to get involved with really, to be honest. Nice one. That's a, a skinner for Daryl. Better to say that than, than start talking about stuff that you don't necessarily uh, want to put your own money down in favour of. So we'll move on now to the, the 4.15, the, the Phillies handicap. And Asiaf is the 130 favourite ahead of uh, Waliak at 9-2. First Kingdom, 5-1. Angel Power, 5-1. Uh, Chimade, 5-1. Virgin Snow, Eight to one, 
11 to 1, uh, Dalan Ijujo and uh, Al Rasma 14 to 1. Daryl, given that you didn't have much to say about the last race, I'll start with you here. I've got plenty to say about this one. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, the market looks to have got this right, really. Um, ACF at the top of the market, I, I thought there was nothing wrong with a Goodwood run last time, just sort of uh, got picked up by one that was struggling with the, to go to the early pace and just was outstayed. I, I don't think she didn't necessarily get the trip, but I think dropping back to this trip will be will be fine. The winner's gone out to win again. It's now £17 higher. Go back to Sand, back to her race at Sandown, which was beaten by B. Moore. She was very keen in the early stages of her race. She was caught again inside the final furlong. She might end up being one of those frustrating horses that keeps finding horses to beat her. But I think off a mark of 86, she's definitely got mileage in that mark. So she's definitely the rightful favourite. And while in the act is the other one that I came down on, the, the two to, to really focus on in this race, um, she's steadily improving. Okay, she doesn't look absolutely thrown in on what she's done off a mark of 90, but her pedigree is all about stamina. Her sire was a pretty jockey club winner and her damn one over 10, between 10 and 12 furlongs. So this trip, second attempt at this trip should really suit her. She didn't have the race run to suit a Goodwood. Um, she was, should certainly reverse that form with uh, Shemaid in, in a truly run race. She was the only one that came from the rear of the field and was able to, to get even close to the winner. got a lot to do chances the last twice um at haydock she was beating a net she was in pole position there she had no excuses really she's six pound higher than that for finishing second again at goodwood again in pole position <laughs> not really many excuses and the trip slight question mark uh, on her pedigree for me asiaf and waliniak uh white horses at the top of the market preference for Asiaf because of that handicap mark of 86. I think she's much better than that. A tentative selection for Asiaf at 130. That's with 10-bet Sport Pisa and Sport Nation. 9-2 around Waliakas with William Hill. Andy, do you agree with that with Daryl's or are you looking further down the list? No, no, I agree with Daryl this time. Um, I think he should be just a little bit more confident with Asiaf um, because as far as I could see, she just didn't quite get the trip at um, Goodwood. Um, she got there Travelling looked like she was going to win. I mean, let's face it, it was a very, very deep race. I know that was a strong race because um, George Scott had uh, Claire Deloon in and, and we mm. thought she'd have a big chance and she just got blown away, to be honest. And no great surprise to see Believe in Love who won that race go on and beat um, a good horse of uh, Godolphin's next time, Expressionist, who got form at, um, behind horse called Katara over, over the same July course. So that, collaterally, that form is rock solid and as I said, also was definitely the one to take out of that Goodwood race, the way she got there. She just didn't get the mile and a half, as far as I could see. I preferred backing a horse at York, dropping back down from a mile and a half to mile and a quarter, rather than one going up. And I thought Waliak, despite the pedigree suggesting otherwise, she didn't get the trip at uh, Goodwood. Um, she got there, furlong her down, looking as though she was going to pick up, and then she just flattened down, didn't, didn't really stay that last furlong as, uh, or so, as, as strong as the winner, who just kept rolling on the far rail. I think Wally's a miler. Um, looking at her run at Royal Ascot, that definitely suggests that when she was second to the massively improved Onassis from the Charlie Fellow stable has gone on to win since. I think form-wise and uh, handicap-wise, they're, they're both similar types in, in the sense that I think they will be listed for group, group fillies next season. So they're definitely the two to concentrate on. But over a mile and a quarter around York, where you just need to get home and travel, I could just see Assi after getting a lovely run around the inside and Crowley just coming there and holding on to her a little bit longer. And then that burst that she showed at Goodwood to go clear, 
over the mile and a quarter will be the telling factor rather than just huffing and heaving over a mile and a half and getting done by a horse who just stayed a little bit better than her on the day. So Asiaf there, the selection for both, um, you know, as I said, Dara giving a positive word for Waliap, but Andy firmly falling upon Asiaf at 130 with the firms I mentioned a second ago. Well, yeah, when you look at that, I mean, Asiaf, a mark of 86, Shamado beat Waliak and rated 101. I mean, you're mm. not. I, I, I can't believe Shamado's a better horse than Asiaf or a £15 better horse than Asiaf. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I do think that Waliak, I do think that Waliak, though, did do a lot of work to get to the position she got in at Goodwood um, and then did probably flatten out. I, I have, uh, look, I've, I've been on Asiaf. Um, since she won at Goodwood, uh, and she's, she's let me down the last twice. So that's probably why it's a bit more of a tentative vote. Uh, <laughs> once bitten, twice shy, if you like. <laughs> I, I am pretty confident she is well handicapped off that mark of 86, and, and this should really should really suit her dropping back and trip. So. Lovely stuff, Asiaf, it is. Uh, on to the final race of the day, the Skybet Mile uh, run, surprisingly over a mile. And... Uh, <laughs> Finest Sound is the 11-2 favourite. Again, Hill's the only firm out with their prices currently. Uh, and they also go five places. Um, but Finest Sound is 11-2. Uh, Visionari and Eastern World are both 7-1. to one. Uh, Magnetized and Cold Front both 8-1. to 17-2 Hartswood. 9-1 to one Grand Rock and Johan. Very, very open. 16 runners as it stands, Daryl. Um, I mean, it's, it's take your pick really here. Lots of juicy prices. Which one do you think represents the value? Oh, I love this race. I mm. absolutely love this race. I've got this down at three. Um, Eastern World finished in front of uh, Finer Sound at Newmarket last time. Uh, it sort of had the that, that uh, sort of rail to help uh, inside the final furlong. I didn't think Finer Sound really enjoyed the Newmarket track. Um, and it'll be much better, seems a much better effect uh, here at York. But Eastern World, um, he's got some really strong form. And uh, that race at Newmarket is is really quite hot. That again, another form line that links through to the likes of Zabil Champion here, there, and everywhere, uh, and just that top level handicap form. This is a half brother Thunder Snow. This Eastern World, I think he's pretty useful. He's progressing quite quickly. He will stay all day. Uh, he gives his all. Um, I think there's I think there's tons more to come from him. I think it could be a pattern performer going forward. Um, Finer Sound and uh, where are we? Finer Sound and Johan was the other one. I, I, I mean, Andy put Johan up at uh, Ascot, and I thought he actually did really well. I, I didn't think the prominent tactics paid off for him there. He was no, ridden far too close not. to the pace. Ridden far too close to the pace. He's best seen coming from off a pace, so draw in stall three here. If he can get tucked away, um, he, he can come through off the pace. He's still very interested off a mark of 96, so I'd put a line through that Ascot run. I wouldn't worry too much about that. He was picked up by a couple of decent horses there in Saar, but his run before that at Newbury when a comfortable winner off 88, that form is pretty strong in the context of this race. Um, I'm surprised he's as big as he is, to be honest. Final sound should be seen a better effect here, but I think Eastern World is going to be the one I'm going to come down on. I think this could be a group horse going forward. Um, I really like the way he just knuckles down and gets the job done. And at York, he's going to get into a bit of a battle here in, in that long time straight, and I think it's really going to suit him. Eastern World seven to one. Positive words as well for Johan, which is who's nine to one, and the favourite there, Finer Sound eleven to two. Andy, I mean, this is the the hardest race on the card by an um, absolute mile. Having sorted out several easier tasks and how the race is going to be run, 
Um, it seems ridiculous to sort of be uh, even remotely confident about a race like this because you can make cases out not literally for about seven or eight and you still might not get the winner. Um, my shortlist for three for what they'd be worth would be Hartswood, number one. Uh, his time figure when he won here last time out over the course and distance, again, that's another good, important point to make, was very good when he beat um, uh, a, a very competitive field. Uh, I like the way he went through the race that day. And I think the step up to a mile definitely suited him as well. They ran him over seven furlongs at the time before behind Black Caspian. And he just was working away, working away, inside, grinding away, but he just couldn't quite match the, the speed of the horses who were better over the intermediate distance. So I think the mile on the round track for him, he's, he's absolutely bang on. He's got a good draw. Um, I certainly think you could put brunch, brunch into the equation, uh, Michael Dodge's horse. Uh, he beat a horse that I've been following over a cliff called Jamara Bay. Um, much to my horror here last time out because I thought Jamara Bay got it in the bag and this horse outstayed him in the end. Um, the winner's, the second horse, Jamara Bay, has gone on to finally shed his maiden tag at a short price at Chepstow the other day, so that form's OK. Uh, and again, another horse with good track form. And, and I'm a big sucker for Cole Front as well, than William Haggersall. I think he's, a, again, we're talking about Daryl's mentioning group horses in waiting down the line. This this race is littered full of horses that mm. could be running great races next year. Just just as a, as, as a classy horse to look at and, and the way he goes through a race, that, that Cole Front is definitely ticks a lot of boxes. Um, he, went through, he went through his race at Haydock Well the other day. He is very much a soft ground horse, though, so... Whether I'll end up putting him up if it ground dried out, perhaps to good or good to firm in places, I'd, I'd be. I'm not. I'm not so sure. I might just stick with the York form with the other two. But he's a horse. I think we're going to be hearing a lot of for for a long time. Cold fronts, and uh, if he doesn't win because of his conditions tomorrow, if I'm an arc of 91, he will do in the autumn when when the rain does finally come for him. Cold He'll probably go favourite. Yeah, I think uh, some support's going to end up coming in for him. Haggis at York, I think. He's got that sort of profile that people tend to to latch on to. I think he might end up going a favourite in this race at cold front, to be honest. Cold front, conceivably, yeah, stands. yeah. I mean, it's, right. I mean, you look at the betting there. I mean, Hills are the only one who's priced up. They've mm. got they've got ten horses between set th- eleven or two and, and ten to one. They've just basically just <laughs> tantalised you with a, with a few prices. They've they've obviously had an anti post book on this race and they've trimmed a couple and pushed a few, but pushed pushed a few out. But ultimately, they're they're that, that that market will definitely be bigger elsewhere if you shop around. Right, that brings us to an end of our Friday podcast and video. We are going to record one now for Saturday, so if you've enjoyed this, make sure you check that out on all podcast platforms and on the Odds Checker YouTube channel. Make sure you download the Odds Checker app for the very best uh, best prices available, the best bookie offers, free bets, and the very best tipsters, including Andy and Daryl. Just before I let you go, guys, Andy, I think we know the answer here, but what's your nap of the day? Hello, Ollie. And uh, Daryl, each yours? way, my na- each way nap. I'm each not way. saying to, he's, yeah, he's, not, yeah, he's, he's not guaranteed to beat that, but <laughs> um, he, he, he'll be in the first three for sure. And uh, Daryl, what's yours? I'll probably uh, stick with uh, Zabil Champion in the first. Zabil Champion in the first. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, enjoy the racing. Uh, fingers crossed for giving you a couple of winners, and please do gamble responsibly. <laughs> <laughs>